Coach, thanks so much for taking time to be with us today. And sure. Really appreciate it. Tell us about your growing up years and kind of your love for sports. Well, it started probably simply because my dad was a sports writer. Oh, okay. I, I, um, I grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee. My dad was sports editor of the Knoxville Journal for 40 years, or he was a writer and became sports editor. And, uh, and his particular beat, as they call it in that business, the thing he covered consistently while he was there was the University of Tennessee basketball program. So, so as a young boy, I, I got to go to all the games. In fact, when I was old enough to, I guess, count quarters, uh, I sold programs. Uh, and then when the buzzer went off for the game to start, I didn't have to sell them anymore because they don't need programs after the game starts, theoretically. And, and, my, and I got to go sit down under my dad's feet under the score table on the edge of the court and, and watched major college basketball games when I was 9, 10, 11 years old. And so uh, that had to have a lot to do with it. Oh, yeah. Did you dream about playing for University of Tennessee? Sure. As yeah. a kid, that's what I would have wanted to do. Yeah. I, I, um, they, had, they had very good teams. Ray Mears was the coach at that time, and he'd come in and, and really started competing with Kentucky and Adolph Rupp. Mm. And, those great programs, and uh, so certainly that's. I mean, I I took T-shirts, and at that time you couldn't buy merchandise. People don't realize there really wasn't all this merchandising. So, so I'd get orange crayons and and make my own shirts, and and go out in the driveway and shoot. And uh, uh, sure, that's what I would like to have done, but. Uh, um, there are not a lot of five nine guys out there playing that can't jump or anything else. So, so I played a little junior college basketball. But honestly, I did go back, and after going to school at UT, just as a quote unquote regular student, uh, they started a junior varsity program. Freshmen became eligible. Some people remember Ernie Grunfeld, Bernard King, a great era in Tennessee basketball. Yeah. Freshmen became eligible. And so instead of having just a freshman team, they had a JV team, and they asked me to come out and and be a walk-on JV team player. And so, so then I I played on the JV team for one year and practiced for the varsity. So I had I practiced for both teams, sometimes five hours of practice, and then the next year I was a graduate assistant coach, but I still practiced with the varsity team. Uh, so. So I, I I never played in a varsity game, but uh, I did get to be a part of the program. How fun! That was great. Some great players too. You named for sure, for yeah. sure. So, tell us about your faith journey growing up. What, when did you come to know the Lord and kind of your spiritual journey in there? You know, it, it, uh, we were um, we were a church going family. Went to Severe Heights Baptist Church in Knoxville, uh, uh, but. Um, inconsistent to some degree. I went to all the vacation Bible schools and and all that stuff. Uh, but probably as I got into high school and college, when you get when you get a little more of your independence, uh, I didn't. I, I mean, I, I went. I was saved. I, I was as a young, probably eleven year old boy. Uh, but. You know, you get you get there. Who knows what your path is, and and grew away from 
Now, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't grow away from believing. I just wasn't as consistent in my faith and mm-hmm. thinking about it as I used to be. But as you as you get to the point where you're starting to get married and you start you you mature a little bit, you, you start realizing there's some things more important than others. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, I give a lot of credit to uh, my wife now. She her her. Um, Father was a minister at a small mm. rural church up in the Cumberland Plateau, and she has a, a, a deep, strong faith that uh, mm. that keeps me on the right track. Mm. Praise God for that. Yep. Yeah. You married well. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. So when did you become the, the head coach here at Belmont? You've been here 33 years. It was 1986. Okay. I... Um, I started my coaching career at Maryville College in East Tennessee, a couple of years as an assistant, uh, and then two years as a head coach. I was 25 and I was a head coach. Hmm. Went to Tennessee Tech as an assistant for three years. Kind of missed being the head coach, honestly, and went to Lincoln Memorial University and up above Knoxville about an hour for three more years. And then this job came open, and I'm, I was very fortunate to mm. to know some people that that knew the right people, and uh, I, I felt like I felt like this school had great potential, and it's and that's proven to be true. Certainly, in the last thirty three years, how this school has grown and become such a big part of of Nashville. Uh, but I also thought the basketball program had a lot of potential. Mm-hmm. Well, you've built a great program here, you know, and I know it's taken a lot of people around you, and um, but just that faithfulness and consistency. And and when did you start to see it kind of change and become, you know, more of a, I mean, national, you know, program? Well, you know, we, we've really had two different, uh, a lot of people want to be Division One head coaches. When I came here and, and tried to become competitive with, with what was David Lipscomb College at the time. We were Belmont College. Uh, we had a long way to go, and, and all I wanted to do was get this program to where we were competitive with them, and Treveca, frankly, had a very good program. Um, so that was NAIA basketball. That was not NCAA Division One. There, there was no thought in anyone's mind here when I came that, that this would be a Division One school, and we'd be playing Duke and North Carolina and Kentucky and those schools. Um, so, you know, I was just I was just trying to become competitive with two nationally competitive NAI programs, uh, and and we and we were able to do that. We we had um, in in 1995 we finished 37 and two. We were ranked number one in the country in the NAI for for most of the year and lost in the semifinals of the national tournament. In 96, we went back to the semifinals of the national tournament, and that was our last year in the NAI. Just prior to that, Dr. William Trout, our president, um, made the decision that that Belmont was growing uh, in a lot of different ways, and the way he put it was when he looked around what kind of neighborhood did he want to be in, and he looked at Samford, he looked at Davidson. He looked at schools like that that we were becoming more like, and they were all Division One athletically. So it wasn't really because we were great at anything. 
he just felt like that it enhanced the school for us to make that move. Mm -hmm. And so, so then you're starting all over again. I mean, you're, you're start, you've got to build it. You, you're not in a conference. You can't go to the NCAA tournament. You don't have a Division One gym. Uh, and, and you're trying to recruit much better players than you had to when you were in the NAIA. And, and we had four or five years where I was proud of some years, and we got it handed to us sometimes during that time, too. It was inevitable. And uh, fortunately, the Curb Event Center was built. Uh, we got in the, the Atlantic Sun Conference, mm. so we had a path to the NCAA tournament. Made that happen in 2006, and obviously success helps you gain more success. Mm, that's great. What's been your greatest moment in sports? Wow, <laughs> that's an that's an interesting question. Um, that, you know, there's there's been a lot that that I think back, and some of them are 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 minor. When I was the coach at Maryville College, a Division three school. We went up to Carson Newman, which was an NAIA power at the time, and beat them on the road. And I can still remember that as maybe the first big coaching victory of, of my life. And I, I remember, I remember games we lost. We we uh, we went to Vanderbilt in 1990 and played Lipscomb uh, because we thought we could. We could get a good crowd, us and Lipscomb together, made that decision. And we lost that game 124 to 107. But we had 16,000 people crammed in Memorial Gym down there. And just to be a part of that night and to see what had happened. And, and we, raised, we raised money for Vanderbilt Children's Hospital that night, mm. playing that game. Uh, certainly... Um, the first time, the first time that well, the year prior to that, we 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 went over to Lipscomb in the NAI tournament. They were thirty-eight and one at the time, and um, and Joe Bailing, a great post player for us, scored fifty-eight points, and we upset them over there. And then we came back home and beat Lincoln Memorial University with a bunch of my former players yeah. on that team to go to the NAI tournament for the first time. So that, that win at Lipscomb was huge. 2006, to go to the NCAA tournament, we played Lipscomb in Johnson City in the A-Sun championship game. And, and we're very fortunate and won, won the game in overtime. And so that's another meaningful highlight for sure. Um, we lost to Duke in the 2008 NCAA tournament by one point and became sort of a national team that night, mm -hmm. sort of the game of the night in the NCAA tournament. Uh, tough tough to lose, think back on that and what could we have done differently late in the game to win that game. And then a few years ago, we went over to North Carolina in Chapel Hill and got a win at, at North Carolina. And that's, that's always a, a national win for sure. So those are some that come to mind quickly. That's great. Well, praise God. You've got some just exciting moments there. Yeah, and, and there are, you know, there are other wins. There, people tend to think about us as a division. We've been 20 years now a Division One program, but, but there were 
there were huge wins back in the NAIA days, you mm -hmm. know. One of the statements you hear a lot of times is the, the big time is where you are. Mm -hmm. and, and it's just as important to small college players and coaches and programs to win championships. And those moments mean just as much as they do to North Carolina last year when they won the NCAA tournament. Yeah. It, it's, uh, it's just where you are and how important it is to you. And so uh, just really lucky to have a lot, of, a lot of great players that have made a lot of great plays um, over the years and uh, exciting times. And I guess the best thing about it all to me is that that hopefully our our basketball program has been something that's created some some pride among our students and our alumni and the people that support this mm. school and giving them something to talk about and, and look forward to. Yeah, the big time is where you are. I, yeah. I like that. That's great. Um, talk about. I mean, college basketball has changed a lot uh, in your 33 years. You know, here at Belmont, but just coaching wise. But even recently, I mean, there's been a lot of things that have been impacting college basketball. What are the, some of the big changes you've seen over those years? Well, I mean, the, the game has kind of gone, uh, it, it seems to somewhat copy the NBA rules. We, mm. you know, about the time I came to Belmont when they, when they started the shot clock and the three-point line. So the first years I coached, there there was no shot clock and there was no three-point shot. And I'm one of the few guys left that coached that way, probably. Uh, and uh, and so it, I I actually was the chairman of the rules committee for for NCAA basketball rules four years ago or so, and we implemented a lot of changes. Mm -hmm. And you study a lot of organizations. You study FIBA, which is the international organization. You study the NBA, the rules they've made that have helped the flow of the game, uh, hopefully reduced some of the physicality of the game. But in those 33 years that I've been here, the, the size and speed and strength of the athlete, the, the training techniques, the nutrition, all the things that are focused on now has been the biggest change. There's a, there's a, the athletes that are playing in that same 94 by 50 foot space out there today are bigger and faster uh, than they were uh, 30 something years ago. And so, the, the the emphasis on defense, the emphasis on physicality, um, th those used to, if you watched a game from from the 80s right now, you you wouldn't believe how little they even touched one another in a game. And I watched an NBA game two nights ago where I thought there were six fouls on each end of the court every time that weren't called. You know, yeah. so. It's a lot's changed in that regard. Yeah. Has there ever been a time where you feel like your faith in Christ and you know your um, your desire to do the right thing has has had a tension with winning and kind of in college sports there's almost a win at all cost. Um, have you ever felt uh, a tension there? I haven't. Okay. Um, now I, I don't. No, I, I've never felt like it was okay to do the wrong thing to try to be successful. I, I just, in, in, uh, I think that's 
part of my faith, but I also think it's just part of of the character that I was handed from my parents and in the people that I admired. John Wooden uh, is a great example of a guy that was a great coach when I was a young man, deciding to be in this business. Uh, and and you can you can go back today. There's a thing called the wisdom, the Wooden Wisdom newsletter, and and just. So many things, and people, uh, maybe people don't know, but he, he was a man of great faith and very much a part of what he believed and said openly. I'm not sure he could today, frankly, unfortunately, you know, was, was about, about his faith and what his father handed to him and, and taught him. So I just, I've just, it's like I, I play a lot of golf, and I'm not going to go improve my line the rough and 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 hit a better shot because of it and say that I shot 75 when I would have shot 77 or 78 or mm. or maybe nowadays unfortunately 84 instead of 86 it's just you're supposed to play the game and I don't mean just on the court but the 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 game of recruiting r rules mm. guidelines the way you do it you're supposed to play it according to the what the NCAA tells you in our case mm -hmm. or the rules of golf if you're on the golf course otherwise you're really not playing golf you're mm -hmm. making up your own game mm -hmm. and so I, I just I haven't felt it I, I, I haven't felt like taking shortcuts I haven't felt like bringing young men into Belmont University that I think would not be a be good for Belmont would not enhance it. my job here I think, is for the men's basketball program to enhance Belmont University in every way that it can. And some of that's winning championships and, mm. and all that, but, but a lot of it, a lot of it is how our players represent the school on campus, off campus, as a team, as individuals. Mm. I love that example that you used because wasn't it Bobby Jones who grounded his club in the sand trap and nobody saw it and when he got to the end he called a penalty on himself and it cost him a it cost well, him the tournament there's been a lot of guys that yeah. have done that actually yeah. i mean there's been a lot of instances in golf where where and and that's one of the reasons that i love golf is yeah. because it's our times are changing and, and what's okay and some things become it you know there's a slippery slope in mm. in some areas but but golf hasn't gone down that road. It, it stayed true to the integrity of what the game's supposed to be. So Bobby Jones hands it off to Byron Nelson, who hands it off to Jack Nicklaus and Arnold Palmer and on down the line. And, and players do call penalties on themselves that no one saw, and it could cost them championships and, and hundreds of thousands of dollars, and they yeah. still do it. Yeah. And what he said, you know, well, you don't compliment a man for not robbing a bank. Exactly. You know? that's, that's <laughs> I mean, it's great, just what you do, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah, but it seems like that's not the attitude a lot of times in bigger athletics. And right. I think so much money and endorsements and shoe contracts. And so it, it makes it more of a challenge, I it, think. It does. But what what is all that worth, really, in the long <laughs> run? Yeah. You know, and it's... Um, you know, just like in my case, I will I will get asked occasionally, why'd you stay at Belmont so long, or why didn't you try to go to a to a 
a major conference school or that sort of thing. And, and, and at some point of, of, of the maturity of my life, I realized that, that the quality of life that I had in Nashville mm. and at Belmont University, the kind of young men that I could recruit and coach here, were a great fit for me, and the 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 money becomes way less important, or the fame, mm -hmm. uh, and I and you know there there people there are all kinds of different people, and not, not any are right or wrong, but some people would love to be the head coach of Kentucky, uh, and get all the adulation that comes with that, and I don't I don't have any interest in that. Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't I, you know, I'm, it's fine with me that I just come to work every day at Belmont and we try to have a good practice mm -hmm. and, and a good game and that that I can just go home and and be Rick Bird instead of somebody that's, you know, hey, I like to play golf. If I was the head coach at Kentucky, they'd be saying he's playing way too much golf <laughs> and, not, and not watching enough video or yeah. something like that. So, uh, uh, you know, everybody has different ideas of what they want their life to be like. Mm. But that's some great wisdom, though, and I think there's a lot of guys who may be watching this even today who, you know, you get offered a promotion, or it, but it's going to be a move, or you're going to have to travel, and sure. you're away from your kids and away from your family. Right. You don't get that time back. No, you, you don't. Know? And, uh, and to think about, you know, what's really important, and, you know, our society values money almost more than anything else instead of valuing faithfulness and valuing making a difference and work ethic and and determination and and uh you know we're, we're all going to be faced with, with those kind of things especially if you happen to to have some success and and somebody wants to recruit you to a better job better money you may have to move and do this and do that and then you have to weigh well in the long run this this might be better for my mm -hmm. family you know maybe i don't see them as much for two or three years but I'll see them a lot more for for the next 25 once I get this thing going, and that's so you, you've always got it's it's not it's not easy, and and mine wasn't necessarily right. I just think it's right for me. Yeah. Uh, but there's no question there there are tough calls. But I and and look, I'm cheap. I don't spend money. I'm always glad to have it, but it's it's you know having it is not going to run my life or my yeah. family's life yeah well i think that's why jesus said you can't serve two masters right you, know, exactly. you, you can't serve both god and money and, and you know we try to run after that so many times and sure and uh but i think you're just looking at that value system of integrity and faithfulness and family and, and what's right and and putting that into the equation instead of just hey go after win at all costs go after you know what the world would say that's that's important. Well, it's right for me. And yeah. Like I say, well, it's right for everybody. And I well, think, yeah. Well, well so. I just, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna criticize somebody that wants to become the best they can be in their business. Right. But, and that's okay in that right to 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 want to excel is mm -hmm. okay. But to want to excel because you you have more fame or have more money, and no everybody knows your name and all that kind of stuff. I mean. Please, all the reality shows and all the stuff anymore that it's about me kind of thing is just uh, way too much in mm -hmm. my opinion. And uh, if there's anything I would take from 
from God's Word is that we need to look at a little bit more is just a little dose of humility. Mm. Mm. That's a good word, Coach. Thanks. So what do you want? You, you have these players, right? And you're, you're not just teaching them X's and O's. You're not just teaching them basketball. You, you really are shaping young men. What do you hope they leave your program with? What are the things that you say? Well, well I, you know, first of all, I think that coaches forget real easily because of the, the drive for championships and, and winning games and all that goes with it. We, we're all wired that way. Mm. I, I hate losing, yeah. okay? <laughs> I, I hate losing way more than I enjoy winning, frankly, anymore. And, and that's kind of too bad, but, but it's the way I'm wired. Uh, and it would be anything. We could go out here and play horse or ping pong or whatever. And if you beat me, I, I'd, I'd have a bad day already, okay? And uh, so, so we all get, get that. Uh, but I think coaches forget, particularly those of us that are part of an of a educational institution, whether it's high school or college, that we are maybe the biggest part of our young men, and it's only, in my case, 15 or 16 guys, mm-hmm. plus some, stu- some student managers, and, and you know, so I probably impact 25 kids a year. Um, we're part of their education, uh, and, and the biggest part of their education, they see and hear what I say and I, my staff says uh, more than they do their history teacher or English teacher or any particular teacher. Uh, so that's that's something I try to keep in mind and so I'm old school about some things and uh, it matters to me and they need to understand I think it'll matter to them in the long run about appearance mm-hmm. you're not going to see a lot of long hair you're not going to see a lot of facial hair you're not you're you're, you're hopefully you're going to see our guys groomed and neat uh, their appearance is important. Um, it's going to matter to some people, and it's not going to matter to others. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're going to we're going to look neat and clean when we travel. Our guys joke about. Uh, all I have to say now is, we're, tomorrow we got airport clothes, and that means no hats, no, no shirt tails out, no jeans, no tennis shoes. They not they they don't have to wear coat and tie, but they need to look neat, and uh, and so that's that's the way we travel. Is that the way they would choose to travel every time? It's not, but you got to have standards somewhere, and mine are a little more old school than others. Uh, it, it it we don't walk in and out of places, restaurants, hotels, into gyms, out of gyms, listening to our music. Mm. Uh, to me, it 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 looks like what I'm saying is what what I want to listen to is more important than me saying how are you doing today? Thank you, yes, ma'am, no, sir. Mm. Uh, and come on, I like music. Does anybody like music that much that they have to be listening when they walk in and out out of a bus mm. into a gym into a restaurant? We don't. They don't have their phones out when we're eating team meals. Uh, that's hard today. Yeah. That's hard for all of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they need to talk to one another. Uh, so there's just a lot of things. Uh, we don't. We don't. 
Our staff doesn't use profanity. We don't allow profanity on the court. Mm -hmm. That may sound like that's a that's a common sense thing, but but in our world, mm -hmm. it's not. In mm -hmm. the world of coaching, of a lot of sports, it's not. And I don't get it because I don't think the English teacher can do that. I don't think the math teacher can do that. So why is it okay for coaches to do it? Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't think it is. It happens. I got a lot of friends who who coach that way that I personally like them, but I just wish there was. I wish that mattered a little bit more in mm -hmm. what we do. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I, I, and you know, a, a, an illustration of of what I think is. Uh, means more to me than really than championships and all the adulation you might get here and there because you because you're winning. Mm -hmm. Everybody loves a winning coach, and nobody really cares about the losing coaches uh, except to blame them. Mm -hmm. uh, but but when we go on the road, uh, another thing we talk about is leaving leaving the locker room looking better than how we found it. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and just just being gentlemen. So so we we went to the NIT last year, and our first round game was at Georgia. And uh, when you go play an SEC level school, a Power Five conference school, they always have a security policeman with with the head coach. Walks them out on the floor, sits behind the bench, walks them back. I guess unfortunately that's just something that. That about today's world, but it's that way everywhere. So we were lucky enough to win the game at Georgia last year, big win for our team. Yeah. And and as we were leaving, as my wife Cheryl and I were leaving to walk to the bus, we changed into into when you ride the bus, you get to be a little more casual clothes, and so we had tennis shoes and warm up gear on. The the uh, the policeman said, Coach, I've been doing this here at Georgia for over 20 years. So I've seen every team come in and out of here for the last 20 years. And, and, and that is the most gentlemanly, polite group of young men we've ever had down here. So, I, you That's know, awesome. and that sounds, I'm sorry if that sounds like bragging, but, no. it's, but, but I, the, my point is that, first of all, they learned a lot of that from their moms and dads and their influences before they ever came to Belmont. But but I asked that policeman to come on the bus and say that very thing to them because mm -hmm. they need to know that it matters, that people notice, and that it matters how you act and how you look and the way you the way you represent Belmont. Yeah. We forget sometimes that people are watching all the time, you know, and it, it matters, you know. And well, it, it you know, it whether we all think it's a good thing or not, and, and, and right now our world's full of different things about, about observing how athletes act and do and so on, but, uh, but, but people, young, young boys and young boys and girls in mm -hmm. particular, uh, they, they have favorite players, they have favorite teams. Yeah. They, I did. I mean, uh, you know, I, I wore the numbers of the guys that I liked the most when I was in high school, and and we want to be like those people. And uh, so those guys are those guys are having an impact. We have basketball camps in here every year with hundreds and hundreds of boys, 
and, and the way they treat them in camp mm -hmm. uh, is, is impacting how those, those kids are going to grow up. Mm -hmm. What would you say to a, a father whose kids are starting out playing sports? And, you know, what, what would you say to them about kind of this advice as far as sports and the importance of it and how you parent as well? Well, first, I think I think at a at a young age, and gosh, you can play soccer when you're two, I think yeah. almost. But uh, but you know, in in those really young years, up to say double figures at least, you you, you let them, you may expose them to the different things, but let them play what they want to play, and let them have fun playing it. Mm. And there's nothing worse than the than than seeing kids yelled at because they dropped a pass or or forgot to play or whatever at that at at, at any young age and I'm look I'm not one of these everybody gets a trophy kind of thing I understand that uh, but that's that's for later on uh, uh, the trophies and the championships and demanding more uh, I think it's okay we 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 discipline we have discipline in our basketball camps they've got to pay attention they've got to try hard and and uh, but but we try to make basketball fun for those kids because if it's not fun here, and maybe that's their first exposure to it, it's certainly an early exposure to it, then they may just quit playing basketball. Mm -hmm. If you're out there making them run sprints and doing push-ups and 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 you know getting after them because they made mistakes and. It, it, it's not going to be a fun experience. And you can do everything you need to do and still make it enjoyable for those kids so they'll keep playing the game. Uh, uh, so I don't. I think letting kids play all different sports as often as possible is good. I would be okay right now if one of our guys wanted to go pitch baseball when the season was over with or play on the golf team or tennis team or whatever they could. And I would do it if I was a high school coach. Because my program's not all there is in the world, okay? Mm -hmm. that, if that kid's good at golf or tennis, and then good enough to help our team go ahead and do so. He might break an ankle doing it. I don't know. But hopefully not in golf. No. <laughs> well, maybe he hit a shot down off the hill and he turned his ankle. I don't know. But, but you know what I mean. Some coaches just scared to death they're going to get hurt. Won't let the kids do any intramurals or those kind of things. It, this is a this is basketball. It's it's not brain surgery. Mm -hmm. it, it's not it's not the most important thing in the world. So I think I think letting young kids play what they want to play, encourage them to do so, but but never being hard on them, except mm -hmm. about paying attention mm -hmm. or you know giving effort. Don't let them stand there on one end and when everybody's running down the other. That's okay, you know, uh, but. But that, I think, I think and, and I mean, even as they go through the rest of the time, there's, there's nothing worse for kids than, you know, I'll go watch high school games and recruiting and so on. And, and, and if the parents are living and dying with everything their kid does, that's way too much pressure on that young man. Mm. Let the coach coach the team. Be supportive of the coach. Even if you don't think he's very good, even maybe you know he's not very good. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't, you can't undermine the coach by telling your kid 
to shoot the ball more often or, or that you should be playing a lot more, that sort of thing. So be supportive, teach them teamwork. There's nothing better than being a great teammate. Teach kids those things as they go through. Mm. Expect effort. Expect them to pay attention. But expect them to be unselfish and be a great teammate. Don't don't worry about whether they're leading score or not, mm. I, I think. So I don't know if that's, no, that's what you're good. looking for. That's good. Um, what advice would you give to like guys who are coaching at little league or you know you know i've i've got kids who i coach in their little sports and you know and you know we're not professional coaches like you are but what advice would you give to to all of us who are out there trying to coach i'll tell you a funny story and then you won't want to ask me the question i was coaching my little girls softball team and one little girl one little girl that hardly ever got a hit hit it and it was a close play at first base and, and the umpire didn't really make the call very loud or, or couldn't tell, she couldn't tell, I couldn't tell whether she was safe or out. So she starts walking off the, walking off the field thinking she's out because she's got such low self-esteem to begin with. This is not one of my daughters but just another little girl on the team. And the guy just goes, you're out, you left the base, go on the dugout. So. Long story short, I ended up about over the swing set watching the rest of the game because because the umpire threw me out of the game. <laughs> so you're talking to the wrong guy about that. Uh, only, not because not because I wanted to be on the base so our team would win, but because right. of, I knew how important it was that little girl. Get a hit. To get a hit. Yeah. And, and at least to be treated fairly. Just tell them, no, I, call, I called you safe. Come on back. Or no, you were out. Go ahead. Whatever the case may be. So anyway, I, I think it, it's it's a lot of the same advice we just talked about, mm-hmm. I guess, or, or at least John Wooden had a nice quote. I shouldn't say advice because I like this a lot. People, people would ask him for advice. He said, I won't give you advice, but I'll tell you my opinion. Mm. There's a little bit of a difference. People want to jump in with their advice sometimes. Uh, but uh, I, I, think, I think demanding the things I talked about is okay. Paying attention, focusing on what we're trying to do, giving as good an effort as you can give. But, but I think until you're way up into almost school age, competitive, keeping scores, putting the results in the newspaper kind of thing. I think I think all the kids need to play. Mm. Uh, I think you need to make it fun for them. Uh, I think, for example, in basketball, I think, I think every coach ought to play man-to-man defense. Zone defenses in little kids is probably going to win more games. Mm. But man-to-man will teach them better about how to become better basketball players. And I think that should be your focus when you're coaching a team. Help all those kids improve their skills and get better because someday it is going to matter and they're, they're either going to play or not play at all depending on their skill level. Mm-hmm. And, but when they're young, thinking about nothing but championships, it's fine, it's fine to okay to want, for everybody to want to win. Mm-hmm. But, but not, you know, it's just, there's just too many youth level coaches and parents that are that are they're way too into it way too hard on kids and it's really all about them Mm -hmm. 
Take yourself out of it. Mm. You're not going to get any. You're not going to get a raise. Mm. You're coaching a team. You're not going to get a raise because you win a championship. You're not going to get plastered all over the newspaper. You're not. You know, the best thing you can do is what's right for the kids. Mm. That's great. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm glad you said that because. You see it all the time. Sure. You're out there coaching. You're just like, man, settle down, you know. And well, I'm afraid me saying it's not going to change a whole lot. I'm afraid that's human nature. And yeah, we're see it yeah. a lot. But I really wish that, uh, you know, it, it, there's just no training. You know, right? You know, people are are, are auto mechanics and bank tellers, and and they're and they're out there all of a sudden now they're a coach how do you do it there's no there's no training for them it'd be like me trying to go do their job yeah. i couldn't i can't do that yeah yeah you know, don't try to get me to fix a car yeah you know it's not going anywhere and so it's you know it, it's tough to expect them to be good but that you know what you see in the movies and TV shows about coaches are yellers and screamers and right. and so that's what they think they need to be sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I loved your advice. I mean, just let the kids have fun, you know, and let them learn and you know develop their skills and at at those ages. And and I think we can all take those lessons because they don't. Uh, uh, yeah, but it, it's hard. We all do want to win. Want to Most win. of us want to win. Yeah. So it's pretty easy to, to, to play this player the minimum amount of required time and this player the maximum amount of, of, of time that they're allowed to play if there's those kind of rules yeah. uh, just so you can win games. But, but is, that really, is that really what's best for the kids? Yeah. Uh, and, and I think not, actually. Right. What keeps you going, Coach? What gets you excited? I mean, that 33 <laughs> years and, you know, what, what is it that gets you up and just like? That's, I, don't, I don't, you know, I think I'm, I think I'm different now than I was. I think uh, I'm, I'm not as demanding or tough or as much of a yeller that, as I was as a young coach. Uh, all of us hopefully mature in the process. I don't know any, any coach that, that matures into a, more of a yeller and screamer and, and being harder on their players than they were when they first started. I mm-hmm. think it almost always goes the other way. Mm-hmm. So it's, I think, I think what keeps me going are the young men that we have in our program. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't think I'd still be coaching if I couldn't attract, if, if I wasn't at a school like Belmont, mm-hmm. uh, a strong academic school, a Christian school, um, that attracts the kind of young men that will represent our team, like I just told you the story about the mm-hmm. uh, the Georgia story, that that kind of thing, or or the people in the hotels that talk about our team, or the restaurants and those kind of things. So I'm lucky. I've got I have so many fewer, if that's correct English, uh, issues. Mm-hmm. Our guys go to class. They make. They do extremely well in the classroom, like 16 straight years of a team 3.0 GPA and higher, and the most academic All-Americans in Division One basketball the last 15 years, for example. So that's not because I'm tutoring them, by the way. That's, that is because they come here that way, uh, they're wired that way, they've been taught that way by their parents and, and the people before them that influenced their lives. 
and it's also the culture of our program. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's cool to make good grades here. It's not always cool to make good grades everywhere. So I think, I think the kids, uh, the people I get to work with and the people I get to work for at Belmont uh, keep me going. But I'm not, I'm not going to coach uh, till a late, till, uh, you know, till I can't do anything, till I can't walk, till I can't. I mean, I, I've got, I, I, wanna, I want some healthy retirement years and I want to get a chance to just be a basketball fan a little bit. I've, mm. I've never really been able to do that. <laughs> what do you want your legacy to be? You know, I saw I, I saw that question and stuff you sent me, and I've I've thought about about that, and, and and maybe I'm not defining legacy very well, but but most of the time when we talk about legacies, uh, we're talking about someone who has been a prominent person. I mean, everybody has a legacy, but yeah. we don't ask many people about their legacies. Legacies seem to be people like presidents or or, or great coaches or that kind of thing. And so my answer is that other people will determine that mm. based on how I, I live my life every day. Mm. And, and, and so I'm not going to worry about what my legacy is, if mm. that makes sense. I'm no, I don't, that seems a, a tad bit egotistical for me to worry about my legacy. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I think, I think you're right. Other people will determine that. I think it's the way you've lived. And I think your faithfulness and your character, your integrity, and it speaks volumes. And, you know, you talk about coming into the locker room and leaving it better than when you found it. And what God's done through you here at Belmont, <laughs> you've left well, it better, you know? And well, you've impacted every young man, and that's a legacy that you've poured into them. So well, thank I certainly you. hope that the young men that have played here uh, have have had good experiences, uh, that they're glad they came. Yeah. And um, and I hope that Belmont, the Belmont community as a whole, feels that way. So if I'm thinking about what do I want people to think, mm -hmm. th those would those would be really important. I mean, I've, uh, you know, the, these players become like your kids. Yeah. And even more so when you're finished coaching them and they're gone, it, it's. It's wonderful to get to spend time with your former players again. So, so I, I, I hope that's been good. And uh, I, but I'm the lucky one to, to have been here at Belmont. Well, and and thank you for modeling that for us. I mean, for all of us who are watching, and um, you've modeled that faithfulness and that consistency and doing it right and doing it with integrity, and even in a culture sometimes that gets to be challenging. Um, you've done it well, and I just want to say thank you. And I pray for me, um, and I pray for all of us as as men that we could grow up and, and be like that, you know. And so, thanks, Coach. Well, that's very kind. Thank yeah. you very much. Well, thanks for being with us today. Got it. <laughs> thanks. Awesome.